Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be studying 2 Peter, the second chapter, over this next 30 minutes or so. And I tell you, it's such a informative chapter because what we're going to be speaking on today and what we're going to be studying today is false prophets and false teachers. So the Apostle Peter takes an entire chapter to speak about uh, these enemies of the church. And we're going to be spending a little time on false prophets, but mostly our time will be spent on false teachers because this is where the greatest danger lies within the church. So let's go ahead and get started. But before we do, let's go ahead and hear from the Apostle Paul. Notice some things that he says in Philippians chapter two. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let us esteem others better than ourselves, not merely looking out for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. And we're going to find as we go along in this study that uh, this is foreign to a false teacher. And then also something Peter said back in his first epistle. Notice he says, be of one mind toward others. Be compassionate, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary wise, blessing, knowing that we were called to this, that we may inherit a blessing. So these two passages of scripture together really are teaching us to do what the Bible tells us to do, to love our neighbor as ourself and not to be selfish or self-seeking. Well, we're going to find out that false teachers don't know anything about selflessness. They don't know anything about about not being self-seeking. But before we begin, let's go ahead and pray. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just approach your throne. We thank you so much for your word and for the Holy Spirit that teaches us guides and directs us into the truth. And that's what we desire, Father, more than anything, is to know the truth and to walk in the truth, to please you and to give glory to your name. So, Father, bless uh, the study today and we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. All right. Now, as I said earlier, we're going to be talking in this study concerning false prophets and false teachers. So in Second Peter, chapter two, Peter begins this. And also, we're probably not going to get through the entire chapter uh, today, but uh, but we're going to be covering this subject very well today. Uh, verse one of Second Peter, chapter two. Notice uh, Peter writes. And but there are false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Notice that there were false prophets speaking of uh, the Old Testament Speaking of the false prophets that were in the Old Testament, I think we all remember the story about Jehoshaphat and Ahab and the prophets that were prophesying to Ahab, you know, to go to battle, that you'll be victorious. Jehoshaphat recognized that there was not a prophet of God among those who were prophesying uh, to Ahab, and he asked for a man of God. There was one in prison by the name of Micaiah. He prophesied that Ahab was going to uh, see destruction. And but now he and Jehoshaphat went to battle anyway. And that's exactly what happened. God fulfilled that prophecy from that prophet Micaiah. Amen. See, false prophets can lead us wrong. And we have many of those today. 
I tell you what we call them. We call them prophets for profit. But we'll see this as we get along. Notice again, it says, and there were false prophets among you, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Uh, We have a lot of false teaching going on in the church today. And we see in a lot of the denominational churches how this false teaching has led entire congregations and entire denominations away from God, leading them towards apostasy. And of course, that's the end goal of a false prophet and a false teacher. Uh, to lead the church into apostasy. Uh, Let's finish out this verse. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, corrupt heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. How many churches do you know of that no longer teach and preach the new birth? They no longer make it necessary for one to be born again in, either, in, in order to be a member of the church. See, that's a damnable heresy. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. Now, he said that to Nicodemus, who was a teacher of Israel. And he's saying those same words to us today. We must be born again if we're going to see uh, the kingdom of God. How many denominations and churches teach now that good works will get you into heaven? That's opposite of what the Bible says, because Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. He says, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's by grace that we save through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. And so verse two Peter writes, and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. They take the truth of God and they speak evil about it. Like we see today, there's so many uh, ministers, there's so many churches, denominations, amen, that are calling people who are of the truth. They call them racist. They call them bigots. They call them, uh, well, they call them homophobes. We have Franklin Graham, who's doing a great work in New York, but yet people are calling him and hating him. And they are uh, protesting against him, having his hospital there, helping sick people get well. All because he preaches truth from the scriptures. Now, false teachers, what do they do? They denigrate the truth. They water down or they teach opposition to the word of God. Now, I'm going to base what I'm saying upon one particular um, uh, doctrine, and then I'm not going to stay on it, not going to harp on it. Uh, for instance, homosexuality. How many, teach, how many churches today are preaching a positive message concerning homosexuality? But yet the Bible condemns that as sin, as a mortal sin. This is what William Barclay says. He says, they, the heretics... We're perverting the grace of God into a justification of sin. They, the heretics, were telling men that grace was inexhaustible and that therefore they were free to sin as they liked, for grace would forgive. They, the heretics, were presenting God's grace in a way which made grace grace a reason for sin. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is a license that God grants to us for us to live above sin. Amen. And then in verse three, 
Peter goes on and he says, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingers not and their damnation slumbers not. Now, let's let's break this apart. These false teachers, the reason that they were teaching false doctrine was it was a means whereby they could profit. I remember years ago about a man blew into town. This is where uh, we lived in another area of the state of Florida. And uh, oh, he came in. I tell you, he had he was such a fine speaker, such a nice man. And he would go to different churches and he would tell them that, you know, he's getting ready to start a Bible school. And and uh, he was accepting applications now. And all he needed was just some funds, some operating capital to get started. And so he raised a couple, two or three thousand dollars. This was years before. And then the next thing we heard, this guy had blown town. He left with that $3,000, a false teacher, a false prophet, and a con man. And the only reason he blew into town was to make some money off of the people, being a prophet for profit, so that uh, he could take that money and then go somewhere else and do the same thing to another group of believers or Christians. Amen. So it's very important for us to have a uh, discerning of spirits and to be able to detect false prophets and false teachers. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But notice verse three again. And through covetousness, the desire for wealth, shall they with feign pretty words, articulate words, make merchandise, make money off of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not. Notice what Jesus said uh, in writing to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. He says, but I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. See, false doctrine, false teaching. And then Jesus said this, and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble into sin, go back from faith in Christ. It is better for him that a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. And then Jesus says this, woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. False teachers, and also I want to go ahead and add this. Uh, when we went through and studied the book of James, the entire third chapter of James. Now, if you want a little devotion, you know, you go back and read James chapter three. That entire chapter covers the responsibility and the accountability of teachers of the word. And I tell you, it's a very humbling and a very, very fearful, reverent, uh, perspective on the office of the teacher. And if it's true of the teacher, it's also true of every other office, that of the prophet and the uh, uh, the pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets. We need to have a mind that is and a heart and of the mind and heart learn how to serve God and do it with humility. 
All right. Now, verse four. Now, what Peter goes in now, he's talking about the reward of the wicked. And we'll read down through verse uh, nine. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. He's talking about the angels that sinned, talking about the angels that sinned in the days of Noah. Amen. They were confined. But notice that this verse four and uh, of course, I've, I've taken this from the King James Version. For if God spared not the angels of sin, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness. Actually, that should be pits of darkness. That's the more accurate translation out of the Greek pits of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Amen. And verse five and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live ungodly. Now, going back up to verse five, notice that in the entire antediluvian world, it was only Noah and his family that were saved. All the others perished. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. For 120 years, he preached that judgment was coming upon this world. And yet the world did not believe him. Amen. Noah was a true prophet and preacher of God. And because the world wouldn't listen, they all perished. Now, verse six, Peter talks about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their their violence and because of their gross sin. But notice that Lot, out of that entire area, Lot and his family or his daughters, rather, were the only ones that were rescued. See, you and I have to believe. If we're going to be saved, we have to believe. If we're going to be rescued, we have to believe. And we have to know what we believe. And we can't believe something that is false. And we can't be led by people who are false and expect to be right. See, Noah was the only righteous man of his time, and he was saved from wrath. Lot was the only righteous man in that area, and he was saved from wrath. You and I, through justification of the blood, of, of the blood and belief in the truth, we are going to be saved from wrath. But we're going to have to guard ourselves against false prophets and false teachers. Now, Jesus said this, and we're going to talk here for the rest of this uh, session concerning how to guard ourselves against false prophets and against false teachers. Uh, the first thing we need to understand is this. But before we do that, let me go ahead and uh, and finish out uh, and read again. Verse eight. Notice it says about Lot that he was vexed with the filthy manner of life of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And the one distinguishing feature of Lot is all of that sin was around him, yet he remained true to God, even though it hurt him spiritually. You see, it hurt him spiritually. Aren't you glad that you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you? Amen. The strong one on the inside of you, that even if you're working in the midst of sinners, and they believe in riotous living, you can still maintain, if you will maintain your spirituality, if you will maintain your spiritual fitness by spending time in the word and in prayer, this is what we're going to get into in just a moment here, uh, then you can live above that. Amen. 
If Lot was able to come out of that and still be a righteous man, then you and I can work in the world and be in the world and come out of it and still be righteous men and women of God. All right. Now, how to guard yourself against false prophets and teachers. Uh, First of all, Jesus told us that we'll know false prophets by their fruit. Amen. And he said this in Mark chapter I mean, Matthew chapter seven. He says, a good tree cannot bear evil fruit. Neither can an evil tree bear good fruit or righteous fruit. And Jesus says, you'll know them by the fruit that they bear. So when there's a false prophet, either come to your church or your area, wherever you are, you're going to have to judge him by his fruit. Amen. And don't accept anything anybody says unless you've proved it. That's what uh, Paul told the church at Thessalonica. Prove all things. You're going to have to prove it. And the the church that uh, that Paul preached at was commended because they opened up the scriptures. They looked into the word of God daily to see that the things which Paul was preaching were true. And that's true of anyone you listen to, including myself. Amen. What I preach, don't accept it until you've proved it. Amen. And that includes your pastor. Your pastor may be teaching things. He may be believing things that are not the word of God. Well, you've got to call him on it. You've got to find out what the truth is. Amen. So there was a ministry that blew into town several years ago. And this man uh, was claiming to be somebody. And he was speaking words over the people. And this is one particular church and not just one church, but there were several churches in the area where I live. And so Patsy and I went to hear this man. Well, right in the middle of the service, Patsy and I just looked at one another and said, this guy's not right. He's not right. See, the spirit was speaking to us that this man was was ministering with a false spirit. And it proved out to be so because the places where he went, he left in chaos. A lot of strife, a lot of division, a lot of pastors stepping down or pastors being forced to remove or people leaving. See, that's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. And uh, when Paul went and preached, well, there's a lot of chaos developed, too. But what Paul left was a remnant of God's people that were saved, healed, delivered, churches established. Uh, Those churches that Paul established, many of them are still going on today. I'm thinking of the church that is in Corinth. Amen. So uh, examine the fruit of the person's ministry. And if he's all about money, then don't you don't need to follow him. If he's uh, if that's all he preaches is money. And he's not preaching the gospel, then don't follow that man. Amen. He may have some good things to say, but overall, we can't follow people like that. Why? Because they're covetous. And what did Peter just tell us about following people that are covetous? They're false. So but really, when we're talking about false prophets, they don't do as much damage as the teacher does. Because the teacher brings in damnable. Now, notice what Peter said, damnable heresies. And if these heresies are believed, it's going to take the power out of the church. And then the church is going to be very weak. And actually, the church may wind up apostatizing and turning away from Christ. 
So false teachers can do tremendous damage to a church. Now, notice once again what Peter said, beginning in verse one. But there were false prophets among you, among the people, as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. And of course, uh, the Apostle Paul had to deal with false prophets and false teachers in his ministry. Now, this is what Paul wrote to the Galatian church in chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh or boast that you are following them. And see, that's the mark of a false teacher, a false prophet, someone who gathers a following or someone who's after money. And just because someone has a following, that doesn't mean that they're preaching the truth. Someone who preaches that Jesus had to be born again really needs to get back and study the word of God. Jesus did not need to be born again. Amen. Praise God. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. Hallelujah. But see, we need to recognize false teachers and we need to recognize false prophets that are in our midst today. So the number one way to guard against false teachers and teachings is number one is to know the word of God yourself. You know, have your own time of Bible reading, have your own time of study and meditation. I remember listening to one minister, a reputable minister of the gospel, and he was talking about how that he was going through a certain book in the Old Testament. And he'd been going through that book verse by verse, and he's probably two or three years and still in that book. See, that's a man of God that desires to know the word of God. But yet what we do so much of the time is we try to keep up with our Bible reading plan and then we speed read through different chapters to try to get caught up and we're not doing ourselves any good. It would be much better that if we take time and just take one or two or a few verses, maybe a passage, and just meditate that passage, study that passage. And of course, you know, we're going to have to study from the originals. And if we've got a good scholar, good Greek scholar, good conservative Orthodox Greek scholar that's going to give us exactly what uh, the Greek means, uh, that that goes a long way in us understanding the word of God. But uh, the first the number one thing that that we need to have uh, to guard against false teaching is that we have to have the word of God for ourselves. We have to know it. You know, and there's a simple plan whereby we can know the word of God is number one, we observe the scripture. That means that we look at it, we examine it, we break down words, we find definitions for different words. We, we read the, the particular verse of Scripture in other translations, not just accepting any one translation, but a principal translation. We understand that the Revised Standard versions, the King James, Revised Standard, American Standard, New American Standard is a word for word translation out of the original Greek. But I tell you, uh, having a good lexicon or a good interlinear, actually what we would have uh, to have very effective Bible study is, number one, if we're going to study the New Testament, have a Greek dictionary and then have a book that teaches us Greek grammar. Amen. Praise God. And then have a, a Greek uh, interlinear, one that uh, 
gives us the Greek and then the English translation under that. Amen. And then have good, good translations. Uh, for years, I didn't particularly like the New International Version, but I tell you lately in the last couple of years, I've, I've come to appreciate the scholarship in the New International Version. And, uh, and I've got reasons to think that. Now, I don't read the NIV. I use it sometimes in conjunction with the King James. But, uh, but I, I would much rather look at the original text of the scriptures and then go from there. That's how I can get the greatest observation of the passage of scripture that I'm studying. Amen. So uh, we study the scripture in its entirety. We break down the words uh, and we break down the context. We can't just pull one scripture out of the Bible and, and preach a doctrine on it. We've got to study the scriptures in context. And so once we've done that, then we can reliably interpret the scripture based upon our study. Amen. And we'll find agreement. There's always going to be an agreement when it comes to interpretation of Scripture. And once we interpret the Scripture, we know exactly what the Bible is saying to us. Then we can evaluate the Scripture. What is this? What is the word? What is the Scripture saying to me? What is it saying to me is what am I doing that corroborates this Scripture to my, in my life? Or what am I not doing that I've got to change? And then fourthly, after we have evaluated the scripture, then we apply the scripture to our life. How can I immediately put this word into practice in my life? And if we do that on a regular basis and if we discipline ourselves and make this a regular practice, even if it's just one scripture a a day, we will be arming ourselves. And this is the second thing that we do to guard against false teaching, then we arm ourselves with the scriptures in order to defend ourselves and to defend the word of God in the midst of false teaching. I guarantee you there's going to be somebody who's a false teacher is going to knock on your door and try to get into your house to try to lead you astray. And most of us who are orthodox believers, true believers, We get very rude with these people and we slam the door in their face, mainly because we're afraid, because we not we know we're not armed to defend ourselves against uh, what they're going to say and do. And we don't need to be that way because these people need the truth. You may not be successful in turning them, but you will be honoring God and honoring the word of God to be able to arm yourself and stand against uh, all the plots and schemes of the devices of the devil. That's exactly what Paul told us to do, didn't he? He said, a, he said for us to do that. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then, of course, uh, when we arm ourselves with the scriptures, we do that in order to defend ourselves and also to disprove heresy. We need to stand up against false doctrine. If it's in the church, we need to stand against it. We, but we need to stand against it with the truth. Notice what notice what uh, uh, Paul in writing to Timothy says. This is out of the today's English version. Keep away from profane and foolish discussions, which only drive people further away from God. That's the purpose of the false teacher. And notice what else that Paul says. They have left the way of truth and are upsetting the faith of some believers by saying that our resurrection has already taken place. That's speaking of Hymenaeus and Philetus. 
Amen. So we arm ourselves with the scriptures and we arm ourselves with the scriptures by knowing the word of God for ourselves. Amen. Now, the third thing that we do to guard against false teaching is that we have the Holy Spirit who will always bear witness to the truth. He will always bear witness and he was he will always confirm the word of God. He will not confirm the word of men. And notice what Paul said now to the Corinthian church. He says, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. We can't be caught up with enticing words of man's wisdom. But Paul said, this is what I came to you. I came to you in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So it's the Holy Ghost that will always guide us into all truth. He will witness to the truth. Amen. He will not witness to that which is error. He will point to it. Amen. He will show you what is right and he will show you what is wrong. He is the one that will guide us into all truth. Amen. And so this is what we have come to know about Scripture, how to interpret Scripture. We always interpret Scripture with Scripture, not Scripture standing alone. See, this is what a lot of false teachers do. They pull one Scripture out of the Bible and then they twist it to get it to say something that they want it to say. We can't do that. Scripture will always interpret Scripture. Scripture will never contradict Scripture. That's why we have to study the whole Word of God. And Scripture will speak to us in its plain, literal sense. If it's not, then it needs to be studied out. Any contradiction of the Scriptures is usually due to a bad translation or a misunderstanding of the Scripture. And we always have to understand Scripture in its historical context, in its normal context. And Peter said this in verse 20 of the first chapter of Second Peter, no Scripture is of any private interpretation. And I think what Paul meant there is that one Scripture does not stand alone. Scripture always supports Scripture. Amen. Hallelujah. And so that's the way that you and I can stand against false prophets and false teachers. Know the Word of God for ourselves, arm ourselves with the Word of God, and trust the Holy Spirit who will always lead us and guide us into the truth. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you today. Thank you for the teaching of your Word today. Lord, uh, may we take it to heart. May we take the Word, Father God, know the truth so that the truth will make us free. And once we know the truth, Father, we put it into practice in our life immediately to glorify you, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. 
We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.